1: Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Monday as we kick off a brand new week. How are you? I hope you had a fantastic weekend. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley Also by email, I'm at monicacrowleypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send me a note, let me know what's on your mind. I love to hear from you guys. All right, uh, this week we're working on a couple of really good guests, including Carrie Lake. So she's, I saw her at CPAC. I'm going to get into that in a second. She is absolutely phenomenal, working on her as a guest later in the week and a couple of other things. So stay tuned. Today, we're going to get into TikTok and the big threat that it poses to each and every one of us. If you don't care, you should. My former Treasury colleague, Tommy Fetto, who worked on this issue right up until the end of the Trump administration, he is going to be here with the facts. Are you going to lose TikTok? Should you lose TikTok? Is TikTok spying on you, mining all of your data, and why should you care? answers coming up. Plus, you won't believe who is sounding like Donald J. Trump these days and Russell Brand, absolute hero, Aldousne. And your emails, if we have time to get to them, we're going to get back to your emails, I promise. But first, the Monica memo. So I returned to CPAC again this year. It took place over the weekend right outside Washington, D.C., It was a fantastic time. It's always chaos, but it's really fun chaos because everybody there is an American patriot. Everybody there is America first. Everybody there has one mission in mind, which is to save this great country from the clutches of the communists and the rest of our internal and external enemies trying to destroy this country. And everybody there is just so lovely. It's just an amazing time, really fun. And I think I got to meet uh, some of you there who came up to me and said, I listened to your podcast and I love it, which means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. And they had a really phenomenal slate of speakers this year. And of course, the final one, the keynote, the last speaker of the conference was President Trump. What was really cool was i was in the front row for his speech and he caught my eye at one point and he gave me this great shout out really great shout out which is always super cool i also led a very important panel on the actual collusion between big government big tech and big media with eric prince of blackwater Michael Seifert of Public Square and Attorney John Cole, who's suing big tech over their First Amendment violations, state action, violating free speech. We discussed all of this. We discussed disinformation, what it is and who decides what it is and how dangerous that subjectivity can be, especially in the hands of the wrong people. Uh, We also discussed whether it's a conspiracy to surveil and silence us. And we talked about proactive solutions because remember, in the past, whenever we'd complain about big tech censorship and spying, the tech giants would laugh and say, fine, you don't like it? Just go build your own platform. Knowing how exceedingly difficult that is, given that they control the entire infrastructure and command tremendous resources. And yet Eric Prince at Blackwater and Michael Seifert at Public Square are doing exactly that. They're creating an alternate tech universe outside of the iron grip of big tech. They're doing amazing things. You know, Eric Prince is developing a new device that doesn't store any of your data. It will act exactly like your phone, but won't store one iota of your data. Very cool. That's coming out later this year. And Michael Seifert at Public Square has developed a new marketplace where you can shop your values. Both of these things are very exciting, and they deserve our support. So please go check them out. And, you know, throughout CPAC, there were great speakers like Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gaetz, James O'Keefe, who came on stage with the Pfizer whistleblower, which was very cool and, and very impactful. And Steve Bannon, wow. Bannon just blew the roof off of the place when he started talking about, we're not preparing for war. The war is already here. The storm is already here. And then he flipped that on its head and said, but we are the storm, meaning we are the forces that are going to fight back and ensure victory in saving the country in the end. But of course, like I said, the main act, the big kahuna, was President Trump who gave the keynote at the very end, and he just brought the house down, brought the house down. Some people said he seemed a little bit more subdued, and yeah, I think in terms of his demeanor and delivery, he was, but that was entirely appropriate for the kind of speech he was giving. He was not at a rally outside with, you know, thousands of people out there. He was in a hall with uh, thousands of supporters, of course, but it was a different kind of context. So yeah, he's taken it down a notch or two. We'll see if he brings it back up at the rallies, but he was not not going to give a rally kind of speech, nor should he have. This was a different kind of speech. He knew it was going to be widely televised. He knew it was going to be widely watched. And so what he did at CPAC, and also what he's doing kind of across the board, is he's delivering more policy-oriented speeches, which is very smart because he's keeping the focus on policy on how he delivered for the American people in four years as president. And now that he's running again for another four years, he's laying the blueprint for how he's going to deliver for the American people in the next four years, should he win re-election. This is very smart. So he's not veering off into personality He's not veering off into areas where he could uh, be misconstrued or make a mistake in any way that could really uh, damage his, his prospects. Um, he tells jokes still because that's Donald Trump. Um, he tells some very funny stories, which is also Donald Trump. But the big focus of all of these speeches now is policy. And that is absolutely critical because he doesn't want to give ammo to his uh, opponents. They have enough. They're trying to get him in every way, shape, and form, legally, politically, economically, you name it. So he tries now not to hand them any, anything else. He's trying not to do any kind of unforced errors. Very smart. Now, this was a long speech, two hours, something like that. But there is a reason for the length Donald Trump right now is laying down policy markers on every issue so that his Republican opponents, when they speak on these issues, will look like they are copying Trump's policies and ideas. Think about it. He's like the rabbit running around a racetrack. He is the one setting the pace for all of this. And now everybody else um, who comes out and they're going to run for president and they speak on CRT, they speak on the economy, they speak on education, they speak on DEI, they speak on uh, taking on China, they speak on any of these issues, they're going to sound like they have lifted it from Donald Trump because he has come before. That's what he's doing now. He's setting the table so it looks like everybody else is just knocking him off. It's very smart strategy. Here's what Donald Trump had to say about the World Health Organization.
0: Listen. I will again withdraw from the WHO, which stands for We Hide Outbreaks. We Hide Outbreaks. We
1: Hide Outbreaks. Exactly right. You know, Trump knows so much more about all of these deep state operations and deep state operatives. So much more now than what he knew then. And he will move against them even more aggressively if he's given a second term. Here's Trump again talking about the old GOP.
0: When we started this journey, a journey like there has never been before, there's never been anything like this. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, (laughs) globalists, open border zealots, and fools. But we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Karl Rove, and Jeb Bush.
1: Yep, we're never going back to that GOP. We are the new right. And here he is again talking about the Biden policy on the sexual mutilation and castration of America's kids.
0: I will revoke every Biden policy promoting the chemical castration and sexual mutilization of our youth. Ask Congress to send me a bill prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. That should be easy.
1: He brought the house down with that one. Man, everybody just jumped to their feet. Then, of course, the piece de resistance, the CPAC straw poll. Trump won the straw poll again in a landslide again, and the establishment is not happy. Trump won 62% of the vote at CPAC. And again, this is a MAGA crowd. So, you know, it's perfectly understandable that he would dominate, but he really dominated. Governor DeSantis came in second place with 20%. Uh, DeSantis did not attend CPAC. So maybe that uh, depressed result for him was people just being mad that he didn't show up. Um, Instead, he was at the Club for Growth's annual conference in Palm Beach, down the street from Mar-a-Lago. So DeSantis was right there in Trump's hometown while he was in Washington speaking at CPAC. Uh, DeSantis was there mingling with about 120 top-level donors, the big money guys, the establishment guys. But apparently Trump's big victory at CPAC has really scared the rhinos, the globalists, and the elites in the party who are realizing that their vision for America is what the elites want, but it's not what the people want because it's not what's best for America. It is not America first. Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, said he thinks Trump is uh, not going to be the nominee. He said, quote, that's just not going to happen. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchison said that Trump's 2024 message appeals to, quote, an angry mob. Well, hell yeah, we're angry. We're angry that America is being taken off a cliff by raging communists now controlling the country and seeking to destroy it. Yeah, we're angry. We've been angry for quite a while. And you know what? That anger is fully justified. This is righteous anger. So Governor Hutchison can talk all day long about an angry mob. Hell yeah. That's right. We're angry. He also called Trump's remarks, quote, troubling. On CNN, tells you everything you need to know. Getting back to the CPAC straw poll, Trump won, like I said, with 62%. DeSantis came in second with 20%. Michigan businessman Perry Johnson, who ran a Super Bowl ad for his presidential campaign, who knew? I didn't even see it. He came in fifth, beating Nikki Haley, who got 3%, and biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, who got 1% of the vote. So, we are on a huge collision course in multiple ways. Trump versus DeSantis and the establishment, GOP versus America First, the ruling class versus the forgotten men and women. It is going to be a massive, fiery clash. So, get ready, buckle up. All right, let's hit this quick break. We'll be back with, oh, guess who's sounding a lot like President Trump? I'm going to bring that to you, someone you will not expect, and Russell Brand, hero. All that and more coming straight up. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double? and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, welcome back. In a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by a former Treasury colleague of mine on TikTok because he was working on the national security issues around TikTok in the Trump years. And he's going to answer all of our questions about the national security threat directly posed to you if you've got TikTok on your phone and the broader threat to the United States. So you're not going to want to miss a second of this TikTok conversation coming straight up. Okay, first though, Marianne Williamson, New Age guru, very famous, wrote all kinds of New Age books and is really um, quite well known in that universe. She announced for president the other day, she said she's running as a Democrat, she's taking on Joe Biden and the entire system, the Democratic Party, because she feels that the Democrats are not having the conversations that need to be had about the future of the country. Democrats piled on her, what are you doing, this is crazy, you're really going to hurt Joe Biden. Who knows, right, who knows what impact she's going to have in the broader race. But Marianne Williamson made a couple of comments recently where she sounded a lot like President Trump. And she doesn't even realize it. Marianne Williamson is not happy with the propaganda press, because they joined with Democrats in attacking her presidential campaign against Biden as a long shot, and what are you doing? So as a result of that reaction, Marianne Williamson accused the Democrats and the propaganda press of rigging the system for Biden. Really? You don't say, Marianne. Williamson said, quote, So the system that is now saying that I'm unserious, I'm not credible, or I'm a long shot is the very system that protects and maintains this idea that only those whose careers have been entrenched within the system that drove us into a ditch should possibly be considered qualified to lead us out of that ditch. Sounds a lot like she's talking about the ruling class and the system it controls, right? Mm. She accused the DNC of rigging the system for Biden and said, they don't even pretend anymore. They're not even covert about its swaying of the primary system. Sound familiar? Oh, and her comments get better. When asked whether she would endorse Biden as a Democratic nominee, she said she will do whatever it takes as an American to make sure that the neo-fascist threat that is represented by some aspects of the Republican Party does not win in 2024. Does she realize that she's contradicting herself? Anyway, she expects to debate Biden, she says, and feels that it should be the voters who decide and not the DNC because that's what democracy is. So Marianne Williamson is a big lefty, but she's starting to see how rigged the whole system is. Well, yes, Marianne, yes. Yes, it is, which is Trump's complaint Just see 2020. Speaking of being red-pilled or reality-pilled, did you guys see the actor Russell Brand on Bill Maher's HBO show over the weekend? Russell Brand is really smart, really smart, hilarious and quick, but really well-educated and very intelligent. One of my favorite movies of all time, and I watch it every time it's on cable, Forgetting Sarah Marshall in which he plays British rock star Aldous Snow. Absolutely genius in that movie, and frankly, everything he does. He's also basically a socialist of long standing, But more importantly, he's an independent thinker, he's a critical thinker, and he's an original thinker, which makes him very dangerous to the regime, very dangerous to the system, which he takes on every day on his own show. So he's out there taking on the establishment, the regime, and all of its lies from the economy to COVID to everything in between. And he's got no time for the propaganda press. On Bill Maher over the weekend, he was on there with MSNBC's John Heilman, who poked Brand with all kinds of leftist BS. So Brand turned around and absolutely torched John Heilman. Listen. John, I've not known you long, but mm. I love you already. But I have to say that it's <laughs> it's disingenuous to claim that the biases that are exhibited on Fox News are any different from the biases exhibited on MSNBC. It's difficult
0: to suggest That's,
1: that this. these corporations operate as anything other than mouthpieces for their affiliate owners in BlackRock and Vanguard. And, and unless we start to embrace... And also, mate, like, just spiritually, if I may use that word in your great country, we have to take responsibility <laughs> for our own perspective. Right. I've been on that MSNBC, yeah. mate. It was right. propagandist nutcrackery yeah. Yeah. on yeah. there. Good for Russell Brand. You know, there are more and more people coming forward, pushing back. Fearlessness is beginning to catch on where people just don't give a flying wit anymore about potentially being cancelled or whatever it might be. They are standing up to the powers that be and they are telling the truth and not a moment too soon. It requires all of us to do it. You don't have to be a huge celebrity like Russell Brand or a huge MAGA figure like Steve Bannon or someone like me doing this show every day. You need to do it in your own lives. We need all hands on deck to save this country. We need fearlessness to be the contagion. Forget about COVID. We need fearlessness to to be contagious. And with people like Russell Brand and, and Steve Bannon and you and me out there all day long talking the truth to everybody who will listen, that's what's going to turn this country around. That's what's going to turn this country around. Can I get an amen? All right, guys, when we come back, we're going to talk about taking on TikTok and the CCP. TikTok is the ultimate Trojan horse. Should you have it on your phone? No. We're going to talk about the national security implications on the other side. So you're not going to want to miss that. First, though, I know it's really hard to eat healthy when you're busy, whether you're traveling like I was over the weekend, going to CPAC, taking care of the kids, or just the daily hustle. It can be really hard to get the daily recommended vegetables and fruit in your diet. That's why I take Field of Greens. It's whole organic fruit and vegetables, not a watered-down supplement, and it's backed by a better health promise. Each ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidney health. Others support my immune system, blood pressure, metabolism, and healthy weight loss. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier fast and have way more energy. But your best proof will be at your next checkup when your doctor says, whatever you're doing, it's working, keep it up. To get 15% off, visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com. We're coming right back. As promised, we're going to have a really important conversation about TikTok and the broader threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. Joining us now is a former colleague of mine and a friend at the Trump Treasury Department. Tom Fetto served as Assistant Secretary for Investment Security and is also the founder of Rubicon Advisors. Hi, Tommy. Welcome.
0: Hey, Hey Monica, how are you doing?
1: I am doing I am doing great and it's great to hear your voice too. So Tommy and I were both served as assistant secretaries so we were both at the same level at the Trump Treasury Department and Tommy became a great friend. He is absolutely brilliant and he has been hip deep in these issues for a long time and was really the point person in the Trump Treasury Department on the issue of TikTok. So it's great to have you with us, Tommy. Welcome. And it is good to reconnect. There is so much to this TikTok story. So I want to start because, you know, our audience, I'm assuming uh, the vast majority of listeners have TikTok on their phone, or they've got a family member or friends or work colleagues, whatever it might be, who have TikTok on their phone and they're using it and they're scrolling all night. So a lot of people don't understand that it does pose a national security threat. Let's begin with what TikTok is right? Everybody knows it's the social media app with a lot of fun content and a lot of dark content. But TikTok plays a different role as a surveillance and data gathering tool for the Chinese Communist Party. Can you tell us a little bit about how the CCP uh, launched this app and how they're using the app to gather information about American citizens who use it?
0: Well, um, TikTok's actually owned by a company named ByteDance, um, and uh, a Chinese company. And uh, TikTok reportedly today has over a billion users, and it's in 154 countries. And um, users of the app may not realize the extent of the information that's being gathered, but it's it's everything from uh, uh, network activity and lo- uh, geolocation and and browsing data to keystrokes to um, to, to what you're watching and, and uh, the content of, of uh, communications that may be in the in-app browser.
1: So all of that information, and again, the uh, parent company of TikTok is a company called ByteDance, B-Y-T-E, ByteDance. B-Y-T-E, Byte Dance. So that data, that information goes directly to China, correct? Directly to the company that is deeply embedded with the CCP and the People's Liberation Army, the PLA, right?
0: Well, that's r- right. In a, in a sort of indirect way, the, the, the servers for um, for ByteDance and TikTok uh, are are all over the world, the Singapore, China, and, and other uh, locations. And the concern really is, who has access to that that data and how and because it's stored in a number of places and because the the parent company is a Chinese company there's um there are certain laws in China that the CCP has put in place national um, security laws and national intelligence laws that can essentially co-opt um uh, TikTok and ByteDance at any time and uh, use it for its own purposes and compel cooperation from ByteDance and TikTok to the extent, um, regardless of of where um, ByteDance's subsidiaries may be around the world um, and, and uh, outside of uh, immediate PRC uh, jurisdiction. So um, that that's a real concern, especially when you think about um the extent of the data the scope of the data and the potential for um, for the Chinese government to combine that data collection with other data sources it may have and and um, and then to be able to, to leverage that for its own purposes
1: So yeah let's get into that a little bit because, like what kind of data do you think the CCP is mining through the TikTok app? Obviously it can take a look at what you're clicking on when you're in the app so if you're buying product through TikTok, like I I plead guilty to buying product through Instagram, (laughs) probably too much product through Instagram Um, and so I get targeted ads and everybody's experiencing this whether it's through Twitter or Facebook and this has been going on for a while Um, so I'm assuming that the CCP is gathering your your shopping history, your browsing history, but does the TikTok app also have access to other parts of your phone? For example, if you've got the Wells Fargo app on your phone and you're doing banking on your phone, you're you're digitally depositing checks and doing transactions by phone um, or other devices... Does now TikTok have access to other transactions that you're t- that are taking place on your phone as well as your email and your text history
0: well it, it certainly has access to a, a lot of that kind of data simply by by virtue of how the app and the algorithm are 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 uh, constructed uh, you know when um, I'll, I'll refer to um, to that. The Commerce Secretary at the time and his description of the type of information that, that's available, everything from age, usernames and passwords, emails and phone numbers, your, um, your uh, user-generated content and your comments, photographs, videos, uh, virtual item videos that you choose to upload or, or broadcast, your payment information such as PayPal or other third-party payment information, your phone and your social network contacts, all of that uh, is potentially being scooped up. Correspondence users send to TikTok and information sent by users through surveys and other things that are done uh, in-app. And, and there's even evidence that if you're using um, a browser in in the TikTok app, that uh, there's a potential for keystroke uh, monitoring and recording as well.
1: It's just... It's breathtaking, the scope of the data mining that the CCP is doing through TikTok. Um, A lot of people say, and this is a devil's advocate question for you, Tommy, but a lot of people say, hey, you know, what do I care if China is gathering my data? I have nothing to hide. I'm nobody prominent. Who cares? What do you say to them? Why should they care?
0: Well, I I think there are a number of reasons. I'll I'll cite to... um FCC uh, Commissioner, former Commissioner Brendan Carr, this is essentially a sophisticated surveillance tool, right? It's um, There are two types of, of a risk, I think, that are important here. One is data collection, and the other is um, what one might refer to as, and, and this is something that uh, the FBI Director Chris Ray has talked about, uh, influence operations, the ability to Distribute misinformation and uh, or potentially censor uh, what is shared on on uh, the app and around the world, all at the direction or potential direction of the Chinese Communist Party. So it's um, it's really about. uh, um, And as the executive order that I think we'll talk about in a little bit, there was a concern uh, back in 2020 about espionage and corporate corporate espionage the ability to use this data to build portfolios on Americans uh, that could be used to, um, to spy or influence. Um, it really is uh, a data collection issue and a, and a misinformation or influence issue that, um, that are driving concerns about it from the U.S. government's perspective. And oh, by the way, um, the, the Office of Management and Budget, an agency you, are, you and I are very familiar with, Issued a, a directive based on legislation from last year just at the end of February that requires all um, federal devices to remove TikTok if it's on those devices by the end of March so there are there's a real drive here in Washington to um, to uh, to limit the tool, but more needs to be done the the app. But more needs to be done.
1: It certainly is a very significant national security threat. It's a CCP's Trojan horse and probably the most effective Trojan horse that they have ever designed. It's very clever because you're literally not just getting into the country, but literally getting on a, a pretty much every citizen's phone, of your main enemy and surveilling them um, to this extent. So it is an extensive national security threat, and we're basically in a rolling conflict now with China anyway. There are some kinetic parts of that conflict, there are some soft parts of that conflict, but make no mistake, China is our number one adversary and a very sophisticated one. So yes, everybody, you should care that the CCP is monitoring you and uh, mining your data and all of your information. if you've got TikTok on your phone. Tommy, I'm going to ask you to please stand by. There's so much more on this TikTok issue that I want to get into. So please hang tight. We're coming right back. We're back with Tom Fetto, my former Treasury Department colleague, who has been hip deep in the national security threat posed by TikTok. Um, before we get into these executive orders that President Trump signed, um, Tommy, can you tell us the the Chinese version of TikTok? So they've got their own version of this uh, app for the Chinese people, but it's completely different and far more restrictive. So that they're spying and and mining our data here at home while. Their version is like rainbows and puppies while they're spying on us and feeding us all kinds of poison through this app.
0: Yeah, again, um, 1 billion uh, monthly users around the world in, in uh, 154 countries uh, on the TikTok app. Um, it, it, it's an incredibly powerful uh, tool um, to, to assemble all of that information and then combine it with, with other collection, other information and essentially build profiles on whomever um, whomever the, the CCP wants.
1: It's really amazing. I mean, when you hear, guys, when you hear the stories of the TikTok version that the CCP allows in China for their children and teenagers and, and even adults, it is like all rainbows and puppies, and it's CCP propaganda, and it's it's just, oh, what a beautiful day it is here in China. Meanwhile, our kids are being fed like pure poison, around the clock with addictive algorithms where they're up all night and it's distracting from their school and it, it's just, there is so much negativity and dark stuff. Yeah, there's fun stuff on TikTok too, but the American version of this is not what the Chinese people are getting. Um, all right. Tell me, let's turn to what should be done. Um, there is, as you mentioned, there is growing bipartisan support to take action against TikTok. And you recently wrote a very important piece at RealClearDefense.com. Guys, if you haven't read it, uh, please go find it. Check it out. RealClearDefense.com, uh, this piece by Tommy Fetto. Um, and you write about the two big steps taken nearly three years ago by President Trump. You worked on very closely, and I know because I was there watching you work on this issue around the clock. Um, what were those two big steps that the Trump administration took?
0: So in, in August of 2020, right in the middle of, of the the peak of the pandemic, um, in August of 2020, the president issued an, an order, an executive order, directing the government to uh, essentially take steps through the Commerce Secretary to um to to ban use of the app in the United States. Um, And then about a week later, August 14th, 2020, the president issued a second executive order um, based on a referral from the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States that that ordered the divestment of the U.S. parts of the app from the Chinese parent, ByteDance. ByteDance.
1: So that 2020 uh, CFIUS order remains on the book today. Is it? It's currently being implemented or not?
0: Well, that that's a great question. Um, it, it is on the books, and that's part of what I point out in my op-ed is that essentially this, you know, there are two orders. One, the first on August sixth, uh, ran into litigation trouble, and and the ban was stopped on issues of regulation of. Of speech and um, and it gets into the weeds on the legal basis, but essentially it was litigated right away and uh, courts put uh, injunctions in place. And then the Biden administration actually settled that that litigation and withdrew the August sixth order imposing a ban. Um, the August fourteenth order remains on the books. And my point in my piece is, it's essentially been endorsed the assessment that. ByteDance's ownership of TikTok poses a, a credible threat to U.S. national security. That's been endorsed by two presidents now because the Biden administration hasn't pulled that order. And um, CFIUS has apparently been um, working since August of 2020 um, and then through the Biden administration until now to um, to address or implement that. That order. There are recent reports in the Wall Street Journal and, and other uh, outlets that the committee continues to negotiate some resolution with ByteDance and TikTok, but it doesn't necessarily address this this idea of divestment, removing the the issues of foreign ownership and control of the U.S. app, right, and actually. Um, Corporate in a corporate way, separating the, the the ownership so that TikTok would be an independent U.S. company or um, a company that would would be uh, separate from this CCP and, and potential um, potential CCP and ByteDance influence. That order is stalled.
1: Yeah, that order is stalled. And I remember that was a very heated discussion when we were in the Trump administration about, can we make that move? Can we force that move to have an American company like Oracle, for example, or Microsoft, for example, um, take it over and run run it in America? But that was, it was a complicated Case And I remember a complicated conversation to have requiring that, that divestment. But as you point out, that order that President Trump signed requires divestment. So I can understand why it, it would take some time. But I do want to speculate here, and you don't have to weigh in on this if you're not comfortable, but Biden is hopelessly compromised by his family's lucrative business dealings with the CCP over many years. And I I think they are slow walking so many things with regard to where National security as it relates to the CCP, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if this were part of it. Do you have any opinion on that?
0: Well, I don't. Uh, I I I think I'm I'm more in the in the sort of pragmatic weeds, if you will, about why this delay for so long. And you know, I I pose a couple of potential reasons in in the um, in the op-ed. One. Uh, any sort of arrangement to to protect user data, but but not um, implement the divestment order. There may be agencies within the committee that are are skeptical of the ability to have some agreement where ByteDance still owns TikTok, but U.S. national security is protected. And so, there's probably. A vigorous debate in that regard. There's also, um, you know, this geopolitical overlay, and perhaps the administration has been keeping it um, powder dry, afraid to um, to provoke the CCP and the and the Chinese um, government um, at this particular sensitive time in geopolitics, and and you know worry that um, ordering divestment or effectuating divestment could could worsen that dynamic. Immense pressure from the investors in ByteDance, and, right, and from users and influencers who, you know, uh, the administration has used uh, TikTok influencers in the past to um, get out its message.
1: Yes, that and that is a really important point too. Is that both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, need younger voters, right? And so you really don't want don't want to tick off pun intended, you don't want to tick off uh, the younger voters by banning wholesale uh, TikTok off their phone. So there's a there are a bunch of different political dynamics going on here as well. Um, Tommy, as you mentioned, Congress recently blocked it on federal government devices. And there are a number of states like North Dakota and Virginia who have done the same. Why anybody serving in government would have a CCP surveillance tool on their official phone is beyond me but apparently that was the case. And so now Congress is, um, you know, uh, Congress has uh, taken this move and Congress might also consider an outright national ban of the TikTok app. Do you support that? Or do you think that we should go about this in a more precise kind of way?
0: Well, I I, I think that that all of the push to ban is well intentioned. You know, there's a, um, a draft bill that came out of uh, the House Foreign Affairs Committee just last week, and there's uh, a push from a number of uh, bipartisan corners, um, intelligence committee members, and, and other uh, leaders on Capitol Hill to to press for a ban or to press the the app stores to remove uh, the app from from the stores. Um, but the but an idea of a ban, I think we have evidence from back in 2020 when the Commerce um, Executive Order uh, relating to a ban stalled and failed and got mired down in litigation. I think there are really um, you know complex issues here, some of which may relate to the First Amendment that could again bog this down for some period of time. And if TikTok, the bike dance, and um, what we're facing vis-a-vis the uh, Chinese uh, Communist Party is an immediate threat, and I believe it is. We, we don't have time to get bogged down in in litigation um, uh, uh, when we have a clear marker that that this would be tough to implement uh, from back from 2020. On the other hand, the Sifia's divestment order is on the books, and I think um, and President Biden has clearly not um revoked it so the question is um you know push the administration to effectuate the order um and if that means passing legislation to endorse the august 14th CFIUS divestment order then then that is a better placed um area for congressional resources and and attention
1: yeah, very interesting. And you write about this in your piece at RealClearDefense.com. It's a great piece, very short. Guys, just go and take a look at Tommy's piece there on this. Are you, uh, final question for you, Tommy, are you optimistic that we will see action, like really meaningful action to counterbalance the the nefarious national security threats posed by TikTok?
0: You know, Monica, I, I am. I think I think there's a gelling of, of attention by policymakers in Washington. I think um I think there are you know genuine efforts within the administration, within the different parts of the government to tackle this. They they just need they need a nudge and I think that that nudge is reaching a, a crescendo. So I am confident um, some resolution is on the way.
1: Well, good. I mean, from your lips to God's ears on this and and Congress's ears and the Biden administration's ears, Tommy, I just worry that, you know, the, the CCP is so clever and they are a very sophisticated adversary. And they've got a long-term project to defeat the United States and the West and dominate the world. So we are always on our back heel. We're always fighting the last war. And as important as all of this is with TikTok, and it is important and we've got to take it on, I'm just concerned that the CCP already has the next sophisticated, addictive surveillance tool ready to go. And while we're over here dealing with TikTok, they've got the next thing that they're ready to launch
0: uh yeah that that certainly is a risk and and may be the case so i think um though w- with with this app and the way it's insinuated itself into everything we do here most immediate um uh, uh thing to tackle is 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 the app and um and the national security risks it poses
1: yeah Absolutely. Well, I think China can't believe its good fortune in having such a weak, compromised American president and so many other leaders too deeply beholden uh, to the CCP and, and the PLA. So elite capture, which started decades ago by the CCP, has given them great return on investment and continues to do so And TikTok is just one part of it, but it's a really important part. Tommy, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. This is a really important conversation I wanted to bring to the audience. So thank you.
0: You bet, Monica. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure.
1: You bet. Tommy Fedo, former Assistant Secretary for Investment Security in the Trump Treasury Department, also the founder of Rubicon Advisors, my former colleague and perhaps future colleague. If President Trump is reelected, we'll see. So, Tommy, keep your powder dry on that. You'll be working on these issues again in the next Trump administration. You up for that?
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: Thanks, Monica. <laughs> you bet. Tommy Fetto. And his uh, column again is at realcleardefense.com. Please go check it out. All right, that's it for us today on this Monday. Thank you so much for joining me and for checking out our phenomenal sponsors. We all really appreciate that. Have a great start to your week. I will see you right back here on Wednesday. We're going to have Carrie Lake later this week and so many more big things, including, I believe Tucker Carlson is going to begin the January 6th tapes on his show this week. If so, we are going to be all over it. You're not going to want to miss a second